Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Francis of Assisi. St. Thomas Aquinas. Holy Guardian Angels. And St. Valentine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It is, um, for those listening through the magic of radio, today is Valentine's Day when we're recording this, and we are talking. Now, February is our Moral Theology Month, and so uh, two weeks ago we talked about an introduction to Moral Theology, and we laid a, broad, a very broad framework for what's called Fundamental Moral Theology. And tonight, the goal is to talk about uh, the three theological virtues and the four cardinal virtues. And then I started preparing this, and I said, oh, that's way too much material. So tonight, we're going to talk about the three theological virtues. And then in two weeks, because we're not meeting next week, because if you're over 21, you're going to come have beer with the Archbishop. Um, But if you're not over 21, do whatever you want. I don't care. Um, But uh, And then uh, two weeks from tonight... We are uh, going to talk about the four cardinal virtues and all the virtues related and associated to those. So um, remember, I think someone made fun of me last time for not rewriting the JMJ. So that's not a good marker. All right. So uh, remember, virtue is what is called a habitus. A habitus. And a habitus is a power towards some action. It's a stable disposition towards some action. So a good habitus is called a virtue. And a bad habitus is called a vice. Right? So a stable disposition towards some action. So uh, I use the example like the habitus of being able to speak a language. Uh, it's that you can speak, I can speak English right now with relative ease, um, that it's prompt, easy, and joyful, we say. Uh, and same like if I have a stable disposition towards something bad, like overeating, it's not, a, um, it's not a big argument in my mind every time the opportunity comes up to overeat. Rather, it's just as prompt, easy, and joyful. I'm going to have like a fourth helping of cheesy fries. It's just what's going to, it's stable in me. It's not a regular thing. So habitus. Uh, and these are powers, virtues and vices. These are powers. And they help, um, they help us move toward the desired end. And remember what we said last time, the end, the final end of human life is happiness. That we all are seeking happiness. And that true happiness lies, we know, and this is what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight, in Almighty God. Get ready for my switching between um, the cursive and whatever not cursive is called. Um, We're going to go all between them. All right. So a good um, habit tends toward the good, toward what's truly going to fulfill us. And that's virtue. And a bad habit, vice, tends us toward away from happiness, even though we're seeking, like, so for example, the vice of swearing, I think is going to make me cooler. And so that's a happiness I'm desiring, but ultimately it's not going to lead to my true happiness, which is found in Almighty God. Great. So the virtues are broken down broadly. There's a lot of different virtues, but we can categorize seven um, principal virtues that we can talk about. And they're broken into the theological virtues, 
the theological virtues and the cardinal virtues. Cardinal comes from the word hinge. So, uh, and again, we're going to talk more about these in two weeks. The theological virtues, though, are faith, hope, and charity. And the cardinal virtues are prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. Now again, some people could say like, well, Father Casey, isn't like patience a virtue? Yes, but these big categories, like patience falls under fortitude. And we can talk a little bit more about how we divide those up. So there's virtues that fall under our virtues, but these are kind of the big headings for um, the virtues that perfect us and lead us toward ultimate happiness. So tonight we're talking about the theological virtues. Now, uh, the theological virtues in and of themselves are, um, you can write this down word for word, they are the first operative principles on the supernatural level. The, the first operative principles on the supernatural level. Can I tell you the story about that definition? I had a professor uh, who said, well, I'm going to ask you on the exam, or what are the theological virtues for? And if you say, act well, I'm going to fail you. He said, when I say to you, what are the theological virtues for? You say, the theological virtues are the first operative principles on the supernatural plane or level, right? That, that's what they are, um, and that's what they're for. Basically, if we're going to act, if we're going to act on a... We are called not just to natural happiness, right? There's a natural happiness. Um... So our, our intellect wants to know the truth, and our will wants to delight in the good, and on a natural level, they want to do that. But we're not just called to natural happiness, that we are called into life with Almighty God, right? We are called to friendship with God, which we're going to talk about in the charity. We're called to have a, a union with God himself, and so as a result... If we're going to, that's a higher level of happiness. We're going to put it in all caps for that one. Uh, yeah, two lines. <laughs> that's a higher level of happiness that is different than just natural happiness. It's, it's sharing in the life of the Trinity. And if we're ordered toward that, if we're called to that, we have to be able to act in keeping with that, right? If my dog, I don't have a dog, but if I had a dog, if that dog was supposed to be like my actual friend, like the dog would have to have an upgrade before being able to do that, right? You'd have to be able to speak, to think, to reflect upon yourself, to ask forgiveness. Like dogs don't actually have that. <clears throat> They're not actually humanity's best friend. Um, and if we wanted to elevate the dog to that, or even more, if this door was supposed to be my friend, like, the door would have to be alive for it. It would have to be brought to life. And it would have to, again, have the ability to think, to speak, to communicate, 
all of these things. If we are going to be friends with God, if we're called to this greater happiness as an end, we kind of need new skills. We need new things that are going to enable us and empower us to have that relationship with Almighty God. And that's what the theological virtues are, because they're the first operative principles. They're what give us that power to act, to operate, um, on the supernatural level, above the naturalness. Uh, the theological virtues give us that ability to operate in a supernatural way. Um, now, all the theological virtues are... They have, because they're ordered toward the supernatural uh, happiness, they have God as their object, right? So, faith, hope, and charity all have God as their object. They, they point to, they help us move toward God himself, right? That's the goal. Um, and each in a little bit of a different way, which we'll get to. Um, so the theological virtues have God as their object. And because they are supernatural, they're above humanity, uh, they are infused by God into us. So here's the thing, like, you can't just be like, I want faith, so I'm just going to do a faith thing. And I'm going to get supernatural faith. Like, you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. The theological virtues are ordered all toward God. They have God as their object. And we only get them if they're infused in us by God. We, on our natural, by our natural powers, this door, no matter how much it tries, is never going to become a human being all by itself. Right? It has to be made into a human being by someone who has the power to do that. Similarly, we are never going to be made capable of interacting with God in the way that the theological virtues allow us to, unless God himself gives us that power. It's not something we can get for ourselves. Easy enough? Cool. Um, yeah. And when we talk about each of, the, um, the, each of the virtues, actually, the theological and the cardinal, we're as well going to talk about gifts of the Holy Spirit that go along with them. So the basic structure is going to be the virtue, its acts, its related virtue, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that go along with it, and then the vices opposed to it. Um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are a way that God further acts in us beyond just what the virtue can do. So did I talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit a little bit last time? Let's give a broad overview of what the gifts of the Holy Spirit do so I don't have to do it each time we get to one. Um, by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, when we have the virtues, even though God gives us the power to act, um, who's the one who's doing the acting? We are, right? So we do acts. Once we have the power that God has infused in us, we do acts of faith, hope, and charity. We use them. They're tools that we use. They're powers that we have. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are different. In the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's primarily God who acts through us. And so the gifts of the Holy Spirit enable us to be moved by Almighty God. So, for example, the, the classic example is, this is the boat, right? This boat is me. Um, I'm as big as a boat. But... <laughs> Uh, and then we have the oars. The boat can move two ways, right? 
you have ors. And these are the virtues. Faith, hope, charity, temperance, prudence, and all the rest, right? So when you're moving a boat by rowing it, who's moving the boat? You are with the power from the oars, right? But who's ultimately doing the moving? Well, we are. We're making the motion happen. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are a sail. Now, does the sail move the boat? No. What causes the sail? The sail makes the boat movable by the wind. And when the wind blows, the sail allows the boat to be moved by the wind. The gifts of the Holy Spirit allow us to be moved by God. And that, so God's the one moving, and we are moved. Without the sail, you can't move, the, the wind doesn't move the boat. Um, so the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and when we talk about each of them, virtues give us the power. The gifts of the Holy Spirit give us an openness, a docility, and then it's God who moves us. Um, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit actually come with charity. It all, it all gets pointed back to charity. Man, we're diving right in here. Okay, so let's dive in now to faith. You know, in the future, we should probably have people take pictures of the whiteboard before I destroy all my nice drawings and writing. But you never know when I'm going to erratically erase it, so... There we go. All right, faith. Um, faith, and let's just read from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Oh, look, I didn't set my bookmark. It's already on the theological virtues. Faith is the theological virtue by which we believe in God and believe in all that he has said and revealed to us. And the Holy Church proposes for our belief because he is truth itself. Self. Okay. That's the definition of faith. You, can, you don't have to take notes on it because it's in the catechism, which is widely available. Um, now, faith, there is natural faith and supernatural faith. Soup faith. Okay. Natural faith. Uh, the best way to understand supernatural faith is to understand natural faith, right? So natural faith is to have the habit... The stable disposition to believe somebody, right? So hopefully most of you have a type of natural faith in me. Meaning that what I'm telling you, you're believing, right? And you really don't have a reason to be like, oh, Father Casey's probably lying to us for the next 45 minutes, right? Like, no, you have a certain natural faith. Even, and this example I usually use with this, you... How many of you have actually seen my driver's license, right? Like, have you? Oh, because you had to put it in the book. Nice. Um, but look, you don't know my name is Father. You're assuming I'm a priest, right? Have any of you, like, seen some documentation that says Father Casey is an actual priest? No. Do you call me Father anyway? Yes. Do you, like, believe, do you believe that when I celebrate Mass as a priest, bread and wine becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Yes, um, but you're taking it on a natural faith that I am who I say I am, and I'm not just a really good imposter or a really bad imposter, um, but your natural faith is to have a stable disposition to believe somebody. To believe someone is to accept what they say as true, 
right? So when we really break it down, if we believe somebody, it's that we accept what they say is true. It is dark outside. Now the curtains are closed, so you, can, you can't really see, but you can guess. It's dark outside, right? I say that. If you say that is a true statement, you believe me. If you're very likely to believe me when I say things because you trust me, you have natural faith in me, right? Natural faith. Supernatural faith is to have that except with God, <laughs> right? So I have a stable disposition to believe what God says and to take it as true. Now, supernatural faith is certain. Meaning it can't be wrong. You can have rock solid truth. Another type of uh, certitude, it's the certitude of faith, we would say. Moral certitude is that you have enough certitude to act, right? So you all have moral certitude that I'm a priest. Meaning you have enough certitude that when I take bread and wine and I celebrate mass, that, and I say the body of Christ, you say amen, you actually have moral certitude because I may not be a priest. Archbishop Mansell, this is a scary thing, Archbishop Mansell may have never been baptized. It's possible that when he got baptized, they missed his head with the water. If he was never baptized, he's not a bishop. If he's not a bishop, I didn't get ordained a priest. Right? It's very shaky, our sacramental system. It's rock solid as revealed. But it's like, if Archbishop Mansell didn't give, I try not to stay up and worry about these things at night. But if Archbishop Mansell never got baptized and there was some accident, or if the guy that made him a bishop, which was actually Pope John Paul II, never got baptized, right? There's a lot of problems. Um, so you have moral certitude that I'm actually a priest. Is it rock solid? No. It's not 100%. But it's stable enough to act. It means you can't wait for things to be 100% certitude. There's no way to know. You have enough certitude to act with confidence, right? I said that we would have this class tonight at 6.15, and you showed up. Did you know I was going to be here? Not really. You had moral certitude, though. You had enough confidence to actually show up here. Um, all right, moral certitude. When we talk about the certitude of faith that we have with regard to supernatural faith and divine revelation, um, we have a certitude which is absolute. Why? Because when we believe, we believe based on the authority of God who cannot deceive or be deceived. Right? So we believe on the uh, on this authority of God who can neither deceive nor be deceived. That's part of the act of faith. That God is truth itself. Now, Almighty God, it's possible that I am not Michael Casey. Um, my cousin Sean was born three days before me, and so there were two Casey babies in the same hospital. It's possible that I'm not Michael. It's possible that I was Sean, and they got us mixed up in the hospital. Right? Totally possible. Um, I think I'm Michael Casey, uh, but I could have been deceived. I could be wrong, right? It's possible that, or just be wrong. It's possible to just be wrong. That I somehow got this whole thing wrong, and my name's Sean Casey, and my parent, well, because of the podcast, I'm not going to say who Sean's parents are, um, but it's possible that it's always just one big mix. 
This is a big mistake. And when I say to people, hi, I'm Michael Casey, or now Father Casey, um, that we all just got it wrong. And there was a mix up in the hospital, right? Um, or my parents have been lying to me and they didn't like the baby that they had and they liked the baby my aunt and uncle had and so they stole the baby, right? And they've been lying to me this whole time. Um, okay. So uh, they cannot, but God can't lie to you because God is all good. God is truth itself. It's impossible for God to lie. Lying is something God can't do because lying isn't even a thing. It's a lack of truth. Um, and in God, there's no lack. So God can't deceive you because he's all good and he's all knowing. So you can't trick him, which means when God says something, it is absolutely certain, right? That God is um, truth itself and God can neither deceive nor be deceived. And so while it's possible that we can all get things wrong through some strange uh, course of events, that can't happen with God. So our faith in God is absolutely certain uh, as God reveals it. But not only that, because the virtue is a theological virtue and it's with God's own power, it's God himself who gives us the power to believe. This is not just... This is so important, right? We don't have natural faith in God. It's not like I just believe in God the way I believe in Father Casey. Like God gives us the power to believe in him. That it's God's own strength that he's giving us to believe in him. It's God's own light. And so um, as light, as natural light lets us see things, supernatural light gives us not only the content, but the certitude and the conviction um, that we have supernatural faith. So in theological faith, remember I said God is the object. So the truths that God reveals about himself and proposes to the intellect as true and the power he gives us. So faith, supernatural faith, is ordered toward God. It's about God's revelation of himself, who he is, and how we are to live. Now, it's not directly God. It's more what God says about himself. It's stuff about God proposed for the intellect. It's not a direct, immediate. It's content. It's God. God exists. Right? I have supernatural faith in the proposition, God exists. So it's, it's content about God. But it's still God is the object. Okay. Great. There are two different types of faith. Um, there's living faith. Wow. Let's erase this board a little bit. Okay. We have living faith. And dead faith. How original. Living faith and dead faith. So living faith is... Oh, dead. let's start with dead faith. Dead faith is faith not infused with charity, with love of God. I believe what God says because I love him. Um, I, try, I have a stable disposition to believe God. You may know, you may say like, oh, I know God exists. But I have no love for God in my soul through charity, which we're going to get to at the end of the night, right? That my, my faith is dead. It's still faith. I still believe that every time you commit a mortal sin, you don't stop believing in God. It's just your faith is dead. It's, it's not going to give you life. It's not with God's own um, 
It's not infused by a love of God. It's dead faith, right? And dead faith has no power to save, we read in Scripture. Um, it's only living faith. Living faith is a faith that's infused with charity. So charity gives life to faith. That, again, it's not just my faith based upon the fact that I read a book. It's, it's the love of God that exists in my soul that then gives life to my faith, that I believe my friend. Uh, we're going to get to the friendship with God in, uh, at the end of the night. Great. Holy moly. Whew. We're almost halfway through, and I'm only through one virtue. Good thing we're not doing all seven. Um, yeah, I'm not even through with that one virtue. Great. So, boom, boom, boom. Now, what did I say we were going to talk about with each virtue? So, acts of faith are to regularly affirm my belief in... Uh, let's get rid of it all. Uh, to regularly affirm, to, to make an act of faith is on God's, with God's um, love of God, with God's own clarity. My, you know, I, I um, believe all that Almighty God proposes um, for belief, all the Catholic Church proposes for belief. It's, it's to, to express my confidence in what God reveals. I want to talk about the vices opposed to faith. So the first of these is, uh, oh, I said I was going to talk about the gifts first, but it doesn't matter. The first of the vices opposed to faith is unbelief. Right? Unbelief is a vice. If I habitually do not trust you, that is a vice. It's a stable disposition towards something that's not good. And so to not believe, to be overly not trusting of what God reveals, to, to um, hold on to things that are wrong, even when there's clear and convincing evidence to the contrary. Unbelief is a vice. It, it affects our intellect. Oh, that's another important thing. Faith. Um, we have our human person over here. Boom, 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 boom. Right? You got the intellect. You got the will. And you got the passions. Um, faith perfects the intellect, right? Faith is a virtue that deals with the intellect. Great. Um, unbelief is that there's something bad in my intellect that I'm not... Oh, hello, Kevin. Welcome. Hello. Everyone, Kevin Miley just walked in. Um, welcome to the class, Kevin. There's some paper if you need it. And pens over there. Um, so unbelief is uh, a vice by which I habitually do not trust Almighty God. Then we get heresy. I'm pulling these right from the Summa Theologiae of St. Thomas Aquinas. Boom. The Summa, he gives you a great list of virtues and vices in here. That's not, this isn't even all of it. There's a kind of, it goes into the next volume. Uh, heresy. Heresy is a vice against faith, meaning that to be heretical is to disbelieve one specific truth of the faith. Um, so it's to, to think that it's wrong, right? We gotta work with the intellect here. It's not to just say, oh, I don't like that. No, no, heresy is like, it's not true. I think that, I don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. I think that it's false, and I'm gonna teach people it's false. Now to be a formal heretic, you need to be obstinate about it. It means the church says, no, Jesus rose from the dead. You're like, I don't believe you, right? Heresy. Um, the next one is apostasy. So um, apostasy is to leave the Catholic Church, right? To, to reject the Catholic Church, to reject Catholic revelation. And again, it's an issue of like, 
I don't have faith in this anymore. I don't believe this, and I reject this. And so apostasy is the vice by which we just, boom, we, we let go of our trust in the church as the communicator of God's divine revelation. Uh, apostasy, and then blasphemy. is to speak contrary to God, right? If we say, um, to say blasphemous things is to say, I'm not going to give you an example of it, right? Because it's even speak blasphemous things is to say things that are not true because they go contrary to all, you know, the truth of who God is, who our Lord is. And so to say blasphemous things is to say things that are false, that the truth is a truth of the faith. And so that's what, so these are why these are vices contrary to faith. Now, let's talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That the faith actually has two gifts of the Holy Spirit for it. There are seven gifts of the Holy Spirit and seven principal virtues we talk about. Um, But faith gets two and then fear of the Lord gets split over two different things. So, gifts. Understanding. And knowledge. Okay. Understanding. Um, intellectus is how you say it in Latin. Is what we get understanding. Um, it's to read into. So the gift of understanding. Remember it's God. Moving us. Oh that's a bad sale. Um, God moving us. So with the gift of understanding, the Holy Spirit moves us to not just know the content, but to grasp or or to more to like see the depth of the reality, to read into what Jesus rose from the dead. It's a truth of our faith. But with the gift of understanding, the Holy Spirit lets us see, if you will, not even just kind of Oh, yeah, I can tell you more about that. No, no, no. But, like, what does that mean? Like, Jesus rose from the dead, right? Let that, our, our intellect can grasp, can't even grasp, right? These are, we're, we struggle for words sometimes with the gift of, with the gift of the Holy Spirit because it, it goes beyond our powers, right? It's not just like a power we have that we can explain. It's God's power working through us. So, like, you can't even 100% Say, like, oh yeah, well, that's just, then we get this power with the gift of the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. God's moving in us and that we have a deeper insight into the truths of the faith. So in the gift of understanding, it's a greater vision of a reading into the truths of our faith, where it's not just now like propositional knowledge, but it's a greater penetration into the mystery, the mystery of the Trinity. We believe in one God, three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And with the gift of understanding, it's a deeper penetration into that, reading into it, and not just leaving it at a level of a textbook answer, my own intellectual concepts with the gift of faith, but rather it's a a deeper understanding of it. Um, Yeah, it's hard to describe these things without just using the same words. And then knowledge is more... um, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit that lets us get that these things are, um, like, these are overall the truths of my faith. I usually think about the gift of knowledge as like a contrary. If somebody says, 
oh, well, but the Catholic Church teaches this, to be like, no, that's not true. <laughs> like, I know the church doesn't teach that, right? How do I know that? Well, because I studied every book and I know that that's nowhere in there. No, no, no. But like, I know the faith and in such a way that I, I can see that there's an order and a structure when something is outside of that, it becomes very apparent that like, this is not part of our faith. So the gift of knowledge um, is a lot more of, I get the sense, the sense is feeding. I get the sense of the faith um, that I, I have through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, a grasp of the whole of the structure in such a way that things that are contrary to that, you can't, you can't trick somebody into like believing something contrary to the faith. Like, oh, well, but St. Thomas Aquinas said like, no, it doesn't sound like St. Thomas Aquinas. I know St. Thomas Aquinas. He's a friend of mine. Like, that doesn't sound like him. I know Almighty God. He's a friend of mine. That doesn't sound like God, right? So that gives us this greater understanding of those things that are contrary to our faith by the fact that they don't jive with what we have. Okay, so that was a whole 33 minutes of a 45-minute class, and we even started a little late, about one virtue, faith. Let's go to hope now. Whew. All right, hope. Hope is, hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of grace of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so in hope, we trust in God's promises. I want capital H happiness with God. I want beatitude. And by hope, I trust that God has promised, I'll be with you always till the end of the age. God promises that he, he's not going to let us down, personally. And so, you know what? Is there a chance that I'm going to go to hell one day? Yes. But I hope in God. I, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to say like, no, I, I'm so terrible. Like, no, 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 no. I hope in God. God has made promises. And I trust that God will keep his promises. Christ's promise, he will come again. I trust that Christ will keep his promise. Jesus promises, here's a good one. Jesus promised to St. Peter that the gates of hell would never prevail against his church. And I trust in God's promises that the church is never going to capsize. That you can't destroy the Catholic church. Jesus made this promise. I trust in the promises that God has made for my happiness, my happiness within the church, my own eventual attainment of heaven. I trust God's promises. And so the virtue of hope is that we trust what God has promised us. Now again, God is the object, but here it's God's promises. So in faith, it's what God tells us about himself. Here it's the promises God has made to us with the virtue of hope. Um, now again, hope, there's a natural hope. Remember we talked about this with regard to the passions two weeks ago, that there's a natural hope. When there's a difficult good, but it's attainable, I, you know, I hope that it's possible to get it. Well, in supernatural hope, heaven is a difficult good. Like, let's just get that right out there. Heaven is a difficult good. Not only that, heaven is beyond me, right? Heaven is supernatural, and I'm natural. But because hope is a theological virtue, it elevates me to the supernatural plane with regard to the fact that, yeah, I can get to heaven, right? If we think, like, I'm not good enough for heaven, no, well, naturally, you're not. But supernatural hope elevates us to say, yeah, I belong in heaven. 
right? Like that, I don't deserve it of myself, but I belong in heaven. That's where I should be. God has prepared a place for me. I want to be there. Supernatural hope gives us uh, the trust in God's promises. Great. Um, the gift that perfects uh, hope. Again, remember we got our gifts. I should just leave this uh, boat with the sail there. Is fear of the Lord. Okay, so not only do I hope in Almighty God and God's power, but I have what's called a filial fear, meaning I don't want to offend Almighty God. Right? God is good. God is a pure goodness. And so I would be afraid of breaking my relationship with God. And I have a certain respect for God. You know, fear the gift of fear of the Lord um, is that, like, dang it, don't take this stuff too lightly. Right? Like, let's, I belong in heaven. I, I don't, don't mess around with your eternal salvation. Let's just, I belong in heaven. So I don't want to sin. Like, I don't want to commit mortal sins that are going to ruin my ability to go to heaven. The gift of fear of the Lord allows me to um, not want to offend the goodness of God through mortal sin. And again, it's something that goes beyond me, right? Let me conjure up this fear of God by my own power. No, no, no. It's that when you see, like, when, when the Holy Spirit moves you to grasp at the um, infinite goodness of God, it's like, oh, I don't want to mess with that. Like, I do not want to ruin my ability to be with the infinitely good God. I don't, I don't want to break uh, my relationship with God. Fear of the Lord. Um, now, hope as well. There is living hope, just like with faith and dead hope, right? Because when we commit a mortal sin, our hope is no longer based in love. But if you don't have hope, you don't go to confession, right? Without hope, why would you go to confession unless you had some, it's a dead hope. It's not based in a friendship, but it's like, yeah, I got to get myself to confession. I got to, you know, but God hasn't abandoned me. Now the vices is where we get into that. Um, the vices, are, we're just talking about two of them, despair and presumption. Now, most devices that we're going to talk about over the rest of tonight and tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, two weeks from now, are on like either side of the virtue, right? So what is uh, having too much confidence in God? Not in God, but just too much confidence overall. It's presumption. I am going to go to heaven no matter what. I, yeah, there's no way I'm not going. I don't even have to work at it, right? Presumption. Or you know what I'm going to do? Presumption. This is a bad one. To, to regularly have overconfidence in our ability to just, we need, if we have presumption, we need the gift of fear of the Lord. Because it's like, you know what I'm going to do? It's Valentine's Day. Let's, I'm going to go sin really, really bad. And let's go to confession tomorrow, right? Saturday, tomorrow. There's every church in America has confession tomorrow except St. Francis. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go to confession tomorrow, right? I'm going to presume that I'm going to get forgiven, right? Presumption is bad. Presumption is don't presume because uh, you can get hit by a bus on the way to confession and you're going to hell. Um, so don't presume. Um, despair is on the flip side. Is God can't, for, I'm not ever going to be forgiven of this. Uh, there's no, I, I, I will never. And despair is what we call the sin against the Holy Spirit. 
insofar as with despair, you think that your sin is bigger than God's power to forgive. Um, and so to despair is to have no hope that I will be forgiven. I have no, or I won't get to heaven, right? I've despaired. You know, they say Judas, the sin that Judas committed was despair. That he thought, I betrayed Christ, I, I can't be forgiven. Uh, and it's the sin was the despair. Peter but denied Christ, and he was forgiven. Um, Judas did not. Uh, Judas didn't seek any kind of forgiveness, despair, to give up on the ability that God can, can keep his promises to me. At the beginning of the movie Calvary, which is very good, it's a very hard movie to watch, but it's a very good movie, there's a quote from St. Augustine, which says, Do not despair. One of the thieves, talk about the thieves next to our crucified on either side of our Lord, he said, Do not despair. One of the thieves was saved. Don't presume. One was not. Right? And that's either side of hope. That we shouldn't despair. There's always a chance that we could be saved. But we shouldn't presume on God's mercy. Because while God will, will hold to us, uh, we should trust in him. We shouldn't take for granted um, God's forgiveness. Okay, great. Hope. That's hope. That was easy. That's a lot faster than faith. All right. Sorry, hope. Oh, I raised part of the boat. Oh, we'll get there. The next one is like the biggest of them all, which is charity. Charity, also known as love. Faith, hope, and charity. Now, it's charity which gives life to the other theological virtues. So if you have charity, your faith is alive and your hope is alive. Charity. Definition of charity. Charity is the theological virtue by which we love God above all things for his own sake and our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God. So charity, all theological virtues of God is their object. With charity, God is directly the object. Right? In faith, it's what God reveals about himself. In hope, it's God's promises he has made. However, in charity, it's directly God. By charity, we directly love God. Like that's, boom. And now remember, Deus caritas est. God is charity. God is love, right? So we love God not with our own fickle love, right? We can love things. I, I love my iPhone. I love food. I love my parents. But with charity, it's, I love God not with my own human love, but it's supernatural. I love God with God's love. Like God is love. I participate in the inter-Trinitarian love. This is where, you know, we say the Holy Spirit dwells in us on account of our baptism. Um, that, like, that's God's love. That's uncreated charity. There's a virtue created in me that gives me the power to love. But then uncreated love, uncreated charity, is God's own love living in me. The Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son. By charity, we love God above all things. And we love our neighbor as ourself for the sake of God. Charity makes us friends. It gives us friendship with God. Again, it's not like just a servile fear. It's not just like a, a passing love. Like, I, we can say, I'm a friend of God, right? Like, holy, I'm a, I'm a friend of God. I have friendship with Almighty God. I have friendship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, that we are invited now, because of the virtue of charity, because the supernatural virtues elevate us, 
Like, we can say I'm friends with my dog, but my dog isn't friends with me. Like, no, no. God is friends with me. And I've been elevated. God, God is my friend. God calls me friend. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. I've called you friends. God himself calls us his friends. That's charity right there. God has elevated to us to be able to be his um, friend. And then in charity, we love others. But again, not just with our own weak, fickle love. We love others for God's sake. I just love you because you're good. I love you because I love God. So in charity, I, that's a great thing for Valentine's Day. Oh, man. True charity is not just emotional love. It's rather, I love God and God loves you. So I love you for God's sake. I love you for the sake of God. Like that is, that's a much better love than I love you because you, you, know, you produce some emotional reaction in me. No, I love you because I love God. And God has empowered me and enabled me to love him. So my charity toward you is a deeper love than emotion. It's a real um, love based in the power of Almighty God. The gift of the Holy Spirit that moves us with regard to charity is the gift of wisdom. Now, charity affects the will, but wisdom perfects the intellect. And in, in the gift of wisdom, we know God as a friend. We know God as one friend knows another friend. The gift of wisdom by the Holy Spirit moving in us gives us the ability to know God and love God as a friend, but primarily to know him, that God is the, the first cause of all things, that God, we see how God's love trickles down, but that we love God as a friend and we know him as a friend, that God's not just the, the result of a equation in my mind. Like, Almighty God's my friend and I know God as a friend. Uh, wisdom is often what we talk about with uh, mystical contemplation. That is usually um, the, the gift of wisdom acting through the soul. of All of us have these. When do we get, this is with charity, comes all seven gifts. So because you are God's friend, God can move you. Right? You're open to being moved by God because you're like him, because you're, your fr- you're his friend, because you love him. And therefore, when you lose charity, how do you lose charity? Through mortal sin. You lose the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You don't have the gifts of the Holy Spirit if you're not God's friend. right? So they come through charity, and we lose them through mortal sin. Um, okay. So there's, we don't have time uh, to go through them all. Um, but I would advise you to go. There are uh, virtues that are related to charity, namely joy, peace, and mercy. That charity brings with it, under the heading of charity, we have joy, peace, and mercy. The vices that are opposed to charity are hatred, either for God or for others, um, and then as well, uh, sloth. That's just one we're going to talk about for one minute before we finish up. Um, and then envy. So I'm opposed to the joy of myself and sloth and envy. I'm opposed to the joy of others. And then, um, against peace, there's discord, contention, schism, um, strife, war, sedition, and then against um, 
Oh, I'm sorry. There's also beneficence, almsgiving, and correction are under charity as well. There's a lot of stuff there. I wish we had a lot more time. Um, here's what I want to talk about. Sloth. Opposed to the joy of myself. Sloth is one of the seven vices, we would say. It's actually better known as acedia. It's more like a boredom, right? So boredom. I'm kind of bored with God. I'm bored with this friendship, right? That's opposed to the joy that we should be experiencing in God. And so if we're suffering from sloth, it's not just laziness, right? But it's a laziness that comes from boredom. I don't have to work for this love. And I, love motivates us to work, not um, whatever else. Like love. It's love of God. And so we need... If we have a CDI, if we have this boredom, this lazy boredom, then we need to ask God to give us more love of him so that in love, um, we work for love. Uh, we don't get bored. We don't get lazy. No, I, there's someone I love, and I want to do everything I can to, to be with him. Uh, okay, theological virtues. The first operative principles on supernatural plane with these three, faith, hope, and charity, we are enabled to act as... Um, in a supernatural way, to believe based upon God's authority with God's own light, strengthen our intellect, to trust in what God promises us, and to love God with God's own love, that we call Almighty God our friend. Uh, these are the theological virtues. So remember, next week, some of us are going to be drinking beer with the Archbishop. The week after that, you're all invited back, and we're going to talk about the four cardinal virtues, uh, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. Great. Uh, let's close with a prayer. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.